Hello, and welcome back to the HSAC podcast. For those of you that don't know, we are the Harvard College Sports Analytics Collective, a group of undergraduate students dedicated to the quantitative and statistical analysis of sports. We break down the numbers and advanced metrics behind all your favorite teams and players, trying to bring useful insights to the game. I am David Arco, a freshman at Harvard College, and today I am lucky to be joined by two great guests and fellow HSAC members, Buddy Scott and Chris Chang. On this episode, we will be recapping the NBA regular season, discussing how analytics have changed the game, and making our predictions for the playoffs. Buddy is the current co-president of HSAC and is a junior studying economics and government and is a setter on the Harvard men's volleyball team. He is an NBA salary cap junkie and is currently interning with the NBA Players Association as a basketball-related income intern. You can follow him on Twitter at BuddyScottNBA for all salary cap-related information and more. Chris is also a co-president of HSAC. He's a sophomore studying computer science and economics. He's written an article about predicting NBA three-point shooting from college player performance. You can check out Chris's article on our website at harvardsportsanalysis.org. Just a reminder that this episode is a continuation from the first half in which we recapped the NBA regular season, talking about teams that exceeded expectations, teams that underachieved, some MVP candidates, basketball analytics, and the best trades of the season. If you want to check out that discussion, you can find that under episode 7, our NBA regular season recap, as that might provide some useful context for this episode and our NBA playoff preview. So the 2020 to 2021 NBA season was interesting and it saw many new developments. The season began in late December with the 2020 finals wrapping up in the bubble in mid-October due to obviously COVID-19 pausing the NBA season. This season, players had much less rest than usual, especially those who made deep runs into the playoffs. The 2020 to 2021 NBA season was shortened from the usual 82 to 72 games. And the NBA modified last year's play-in tournament for the opening round of the playoffs, which is coming up early this week, and we're going to discuss that later on this episode. But this season, lots of familiar teams succeeded, like you know the Los Angeles Clippers, the Denver Nuggets in the West, and the Milwaukee Bucks, the Philadelphia 76ers, and the Miami Heat in the East. There were some disappointments that could be due to other factors like injuries. We're going to discuss this later with the Los Angeles Lakers, Boston Celtics. And also some greatly improved teams like the Utah Jazz, the Phoenix Suns, the Brooklyn Nets, and the New York Knicks. So this all sets the stage for an exciting playoffs, a new play-in tournament with familiar faces, newcomers, and some teams with some big stars and loaded rosters. As of recording this, there's two games left in the season for most teams. So the standings aren't exactly set, but we'll kind of talk about the matchups as they are today and what they most likely are to be. So first up, we're going to talk about the play-in tournament this year. So the NBA actually modified what they used last year. So last year, the play-in tournament basically was if there was a nine seed that was within four games of the eight seed, they would play a play-in game. The ninth seed would have to win twice in order to make it in. This year, they're doing the numbers seven through 10 seeds will play. So the nine seed will play the 10 seed. The seven seed will play an eight seed. The winner of the seven versus eight will go directly to the playoffs then the loser of that will play the winner of nine versus 10, and then that team will go to the playoffs. So a little bit confusing, but basically double elimination for seventh or eighth seed. And if you're a nine or 10, you got to win twice to get into the playoffs. So basically just first overall question is, there's been a lot of discussion about this new play-in tournament. I'm curious, what are your guys' thoughts? Do you like the play-in tournament? Do you not like it? I personally love it. 
I think it brings a lot of excitement to the end of the regular season because it means something. Whereas in previous years, I didn't really watch the end because you kind of know what's going to happen. You know, which teams are going to tank, which teams are going to make it. But this year, there's been a lot of chatter about, oh, wow, the Lakers are in the play-in or the Mavs. Oh, are the Wizards going to be able to make it um, with their hot streak at the end? And so I think it's great. And I think from a business perspective, it's amazing for the NBA. The play-in will generate a lot of revenue and a lot of viewership. Scotty can probably talk about this more, but I think it is interesting to think about it from the player's perspective. And I know there have been a number of players um, like Luca and LeBron who have spoken out against it, basically saying that, hey, what's the point of this 72-game season if we're just going to have a play and like basically every team makes the playoffs at the end? But you know, part of that, commentators say, hey, just because you're in the play and you don't like it now kind of thing. But the other thing to think about from the player perspective is like, if it really generates a lot more revenue, what are the implications for salary caps and and things like that? So I'd be interested to hear also what Buddy has to say about that. It was really funny for me to listen to Duncan Robinson's podcast yesterday. He's on the heat and he said like, oh, I love the play in tournament because the heat had just beaten the Celtics twice and clinched a top six seed. But he he admitted like, hey, if we had lost those two games of the Celtics, I would say that I hated the play-in tournament. So there's definitely that aspect of it all. And I think we've seen like, you know, when the Mavericks were in seventh, Cuban and Luca came out and said that they hated it. And now it seems like the Mavs are probably going to be in the top six and the Lakers out there at seven. Le- LeBron came out and said that he didn't, he didn't like it. So there's definitely an element of that. Two things I wanted to bring up. Overall, I like the idea of the play-in tournament. I just maybe think that it's not structured in like the best of ways. And the two reasons why I say that, one is, and I don't know how you would fix this problem, but I heard this said a couple of weeks ago. I think it was on Zach Lowe's podcast. The first and the second seeds in each conference are the last teams to find out who they're going to play. So that's kind of unfair if like you're the Clippers and by Sunday, you know that you're playing the Trailblazers in the 3-6 matchup. But if you're the Jazz, you don't know until five days later, like whether you're playing the Warriors or the Grizzlies, for example, which we've talked about adjustments over a best of seven series. Like there's a lot of prep that goes into that. So if you're un sure of who you're going to play as the highest seed that doesn't really make sense like I'd I'd almost want more clarity earlier and one of the solutions to that is to have the highest seed team kind of pick who their opponent is but that doesn't really solve the problem uh, because you still have to wait all those days to see like who's even in the playoffs I think this is just like a natural thing that happens is it kind of just like pushes the clear line of delineation of like you know, which teams are in it and which teams are not in it. So before the play-in, it, w- it was kind of like, unless the nine seed was close to the eight, any team that was kind of out of it, they would never say this, but they'd probably try to rest some players, lose some games and, and get a better draft pick. And the play-in in part was made to stop that from happening. But now it just seems like that line is just now, instead of between eight and nine, it's between 10 and 11. And I think the Raptors are a good example of that. The Raptors have a lot of stuff going on. They have COVID absences. They're miles away from their homes, really. And so the Raptors had been in 11th for a long time. And 
they were basically faced with like, hey, are, are we going to try to win all these games, go really hard just to get the 10 seed? And then if you think about their path, they would have to win two consecutive games on the road only to face the top seed in the conference without home court. So then they were like, no, we're just going to rest Kyle Lowry. OG Ananobi is going to play like one out of every four games. And they are kind of still tanking. So the play-in didn't really help tanking from that perspective. And it's also like now there's become six so clear teams that are just have the six worst records in the league. So if the plan was in part made to have less teams trying to tank, I don't know that that, and you know, this is just a one year sample size, but I don't know that that's really gotten better. I think you made a good point about, you know, pushing kind of the line down where teams will tank or not tank. Obviously the Emmy is doing this for one reason. And Chris said that, you know, it's money, money is everything. And I think this is good for fans and fan viewership to increase interest in the end of the NBA season and then the beginning of the playoffs. But it does kind of depend on what side you are. If you know you're a 10 seed like the Spurs and you're going to you know sneak in and you get to make the playoffs, you'll love it as a fan. But if you're the Lakers, you're having to play this plan game and you know your team is, is really, really good and you're, you're going to not like the plan game like the broad. And we talked about this on our NCA podcast episode kind of just the idea how it's a it's a one game and one game and upset can happen. This is trying to capture some of that NCAA March Madness aspect in the NBA playoffs. Because obviously, you know, NBA, there's a lot less upsets. Not to get too, you know, statistical, but there's an idea called the central limit theorem. It's simple. But if the Lakers are favored to win 70% of the time, if they play more and more games in the long run, they will eventually win the series. But if it's just one game, anything can happen in that one game. So that does create interest and you know more excitement, kind of mimicking the March Madness format, but it depends what side you're on if you do like that. I think that it's good that they're tinkering with this. I don't know if this current iteration of it is good because it's very it's kind of too big for teams making this. I think maybe if they did maybe like an eight through ten or something like that, but they'll continue to tinker with it hopefully and and see what works. But it is good that they are experimenting and kind of you know trying to change some of the playoff format getting into the actual, the, the play in tournament, which is actually when this podcast comes out, it'll be just starting. And as we're recording this, the matchups are not fully set, but we're going with the ones that are currently in the standings right now. So in the East, we have the seven seed Celtics facing off against the eight seed Charlotte Hornets and the number nine seed Pacers against the number 10 seed Washington Wizards. And in the West, we have the Los Angeles Lakers against the Golden State Warriors, the eight seed and the Memphis Grizzlies is the nine facing against the San Antonio Spurs, the 10. So what are your predictions for the plan tournament? You know, you don't have to go too into the weeds in every matchup, but just kind of curious, what teams do you think will be coming out of the East? What teams do you think will be coming out of the West for each of you? As it currently is slated, and this could be recency bias because the Celtics have looked so terrible, I would pick the Hornets to upset the Celtics. So the Hornets would get the seven, and then let's say the Celtics beat the Pacers to get the eight. But again... I know it's like a great thing to make the playoffs, but like it's kind of a lost Celtic season. Like, what do they care? Like, even if they win their seven game, they're playing the Nets without home court, without Jalen Brown. So like the Celtics are going to try to win the game, but the East doesn't really excite me because I don't think any of those teams have a chance to beat any of the one or two seed. In the West, I am definitely rooting for the, we believe 2.0 Warriors, but I would give the Lakers the advantage which would suck for Phoenix because Phoenix makes a playoffs for the first time in 10 years and then gets the Lakers in the first round, hypothetically. And then 
the Warriors being at home playing, let's say the Grizzlies, I'd pick the Warriors. And one thing I want to note is like earlier this week, the Warriors on a back-to-back beat the Jazz and the Suns. And the Suns had all their guys and the Jazz were, were missing their two starting guards, but had come in on a five-game winning streak. So I think that the Warriors could pretty easily beat any of the teams in the Eastern Conference plan, which is why I'm kind of not a huge fan of the conferences in some regard. But yeah, so I would say Hornets and Celtics in the East and Lakers or whoever it gets the seven seed. Um, So let's say the Lakers and then the Warriors in the West. Not to be boring, but I also have the the same predictions and these are also the, the seven and eight on both sides. I like the Hornets. I'm a big fan of LaMelo Ball. I think he is the clear rookie of the year. I have them and beating the Celtics. And then I would like to see the Wizards win, um, being from the D.C. area. It would be nice to see them in the playoffs, but I don't think they'll come out of it. But that would be awesome. And then in terms of the West, yes, Steph Curry, I think, is just, I think he's so explosive that he could beat any like team on any given night. And so I would definitely have him beating i think the lakers will win but i could definitely see the warriors winning um that first matchup just because maybe the lakers are a little slow when lebron is coming back from injury and ad has been having a few issues too but definitely lakers and warriors coming out of the west and celtics hornets out of the east just like buddy i agree with celtics out of the east but i'm actually gonna i mean i feel like Obviously, it's statistically more unlikely for a team that's a 9 out of 10 seed because they have to win twice and they are the weaker team to begin with. I'll mix it up. I think the Wizards might make it out to your liking, Chris. I know you're a Wizards fan. They've beaten the Pacers all three games this season, so that would be their first matchup. They're kind of getting hot at the end of the season. They were at another winning streak along with the Knicks. They have Westbrook, Russell Westbrook. So I don't know. I, I feel like the Wizards might sneak in. And then, yeah, in the West, I think the Lakers and, and probably the Warriors too. I just want to make a point like that is going to be a, a great game. I think that could be one of the best games of the playoffs, especially because it's, you know, do or die. You're getting classic LeBron versus Steph Curry. And then also AD. I think that is definitely a game to watch. Like of the first round of the NBA playoffs, even going beyond you know, the actual real first round, this is the game to watch. And yeah, it should be pretty exciting. Back to analytics a little bit. So buddy, uh, I know that you're a salary cap expert. And sort of similar analytics, but salary cap is, I think, even more obscure for fans. Fans kind of understand it on a on a more simple level, like the big market team versus the small market team, you know, homegrown talent versus free agency. So similar to how we talked about what makes a team good at analytics, what makes a team good or I guess efficient at the salary cap? Obviously, each team has different limitations based on their their markets and things like that. But what are some good teams with the cap and some bad teams with the cap? And Maybe some examples if you could give some teams that are either in or out of the playoffs. I would say at a high level, salary cap stuff is all about asset management, maximizing your current chance of winning with like flexibility moving forward. Sometimes you have to relinquish that like the Nets did because that's the only way that you get a player like James Harden. It's hard for me to pinpoint teams that are good or bad with the cap because pretty much every team has made at least one move that I like and one move that I don't like around the margins. Like just to give you an example, like 2019 offseason, the Grizzlies acquire Andre Iguodala 
and a first round pick for nothing. So they basically were given a first round pick that's guaranteed to convey like four or five years down the line from Golden State to take on Andre Iguodala's contract. And they had the room to do it. And he was in the last year of his contract. So that was great. Then a couple months later, they trade Iguodala, Jay Crowder, and Solomon Hill to the Heat and acquire two pretty big contracts. So Dion Waiters and then James Johnson, who turned into Gorgie Jang. They took on their money, not just for that year, but for the following year too, pretty much vaporizing the Grizzlies' 2020 cap space just to get Justice Winslow because they thought that Winslow was like the long-term solution at the small forward position. And it's just really not turned out that way. And the Grizzlies are like right up against the tax and like they didn't really have the room to make many moves this offseason. So that's just an example of like, you know, a team can make one trade that really makes sense from a salary cap perspective and then another one that really doesn't work out. I think being really into the salary cap makes me personally like too critical over like moves at the margins that don't actually matter in the long run. So this is an example, like the Suns traded the 2019 offseason. They traded TJ Warren, who was like a starting level player under good contract and the 32nd pick in the draft for nothing, just so they could have the room to go out in free agency and sign Ricky Rubio, which is like, okay, that doesn't make sense at all. Like, I mean, just an asset play for Warren, like you probably would need to get back the 32nd pick and other stuff, not include the 32nd pick along with Warren, just to sign a point guard who can't really shoot. And, you know, that's a move that has like someone who's all big into asset management, like that doesn't really make sense. Well, Rubio really stabilized the Suns. They had a much better year last year. They were good in the bubble. And then they used his contract as the main kind of matching salary in in the Chris Paul trade one year later. So it's easy to criticize when a team would make a move like that. Just to answer your question more directly, it's, it's hard to pinpoint teams that are like good or bad at salary cap management. One thing I will say is there's a lot more teams who hire people like specifically to do that, that like have law degrees or they're like into analytics. And it, it used to kind of just be that the GM would just be like, Oh yeah, let's just trade that guy and that guy. And, but now they have like specific people, like basically mapping out every possibility, every possible scenario. And that's what I aspire to do. So it's, there's a lot more people working in roles like that than there were like 10 years ago, let's say. Yeah, I think there is like definitely a lot of overlap between analytics and the salary cap. And they are kind of the same. It's kind of the idea of maximizing what you have and kind of getting the most out of it from a financial perspective, from a player performance perspective. I think the NBA has kind of also, as with all sports, are moving towards analytics more, you know, increasing fan awareness, putting these advanced stats up on the screen. And there could be some interesting things to do with kind of salary cap awareness for fans, basically, you know, putting a player's contract or kind of creating some, I know there's already advanced metrics behind, you know, how players do, 530 has some like relative to their contract, how well they perform. Are they worth, are they worth it? Are they not worth it? So yeah, I think there is definitely a lot of interesting things to do there. And yeah, kind of, I think now we can kind of get into our playoff predictions, kind of what everyone's been waiting for a little bit. So instead of, you know, going through all the different series, which might get long and, and tedious, and also, we don't know what the future matchups will be because it depends what happens in earlier rounds. We did this format similar in our March Madness episode where we have you know the list of all the different playoff teams and we'll kind of do a draft NBA lottery style 
and get to pick different teams with different picks. When you pick a team, you can kind of explain your reasoning for picking that team. And obviously, you know, the more championship likely teams, you know, like the Sixers or the Nets or the Clippers, there's more to say about them than, you know, say the Grizzlies or the Spurs. So as we move through, we'll kind of work through it a little bit faster. But so yeah, we're going to do this kind of playoff survivor pool for the NBA playoffs, and that'll kind of be our predictions. So I'm going to generate a random number right now, kind of like the NBA draft lottery, and that'll determine the picking order. So buddy, you have the first pick. And between Chris and I, Chris, you have the second pick. And I have the last pick. So yeah, buddy, with the first overall pick, who, who are you going to take? I'm going to take the Brooklyn Nets first overall. As was mentioned previously, they are probably the team most in win-now mode. Their three key players are like, 32, 31, and 28 years old, like kind of the time is now. They're free agents after the 2022 season. They've really pushed all their chips into the middle of the table, and hopefully those guys all will be healthy. It seems like that's all trending in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, it was a hard decision. I almost went with the Clippers, but just potentially playing two rounds just to get to the finals without home court advantage, I didn't really like that. So yeah, I pick the Nets because I think they're an offensive juggernaut and they have veterans that may not be great defensive players at this stage of their career, but they're the type of players that know where they have to be. I don't think we should be surprised if Blake Griffin can draw a charge with a minute left in the game. And, you know, he couldn't have done that when he's 22, but now that he's 32, he just knows where to be at the right time. So I just think at their best, I think the Nets are probably the best team in the league. I've heard that from people that work for teams in the Eastern Conference that are probably going to play the Nets. Their models say that the Nets are the best team. So I don't think they're like the clear finals favorite, but I think probability wise, they have as good of a chance as anyone. I actually do not have the Clippers. I have the Sixers. Um, I think that, well, I really like Joe Embiid and Ben Simmons. I think they have a great thing going there. And then I think they're also pretty well-rounded with their shooters, Danny Green and Seth Curry. And I am picking them because I think the East is weaker than the West. So I think they would have a, a better chance of making it to the finals. And I think, I mean, Buddy obviously mentioned the Nets, which is, I think there's a lot of variability with the Nets depending on who's available, who's playing. And so we can all sort of say that once the playoffs comes around, they're going to be locked in. They're all going to be there. Their stars are going to show up. But I think there is a amount of variability there. And they haven't played very many games with KD, Kyrie, and James Harden on the court at the same time. So it's hard to know exactly how that will pan out. So I have the Sixers. I guess that leaves me with a pretty easy pick. I'm going to take the Clippers. I think while they are the three seed right now in the West, I think that their best position in the West right now, doing well the end of their season, having all their stars, you know, relatively healthy and having the superstars, whereas, you know, the Jazz and the Suns necessarily don't have that kind of, you know, Chris Paul is a superstar, but he's older now. But yeah, so the Clippers, I think, is an easy choice for me. And I'm from Los Angeles, but fortunately not a Clippers fan. 
Knicks fan, which we, we actually just beat the Clippers a week ago. But yeah, I think it'd be kind of cool to see the Clippers have never won a championship. And even though they are second fiddle to the Lakers in LA and, and always will be, they kind of are growing in popularity, but I think this could be definitely a good season for the Clippers too. I think this is one of their best, more better position than last year in terms to win the championship. And they've kind of filled in some of the missing pieces like I talked about with Rondo and things like that. So I'm going to take the Clippers and then we're going to do snake style draft. So I get to pick again and yeah, I will stay in the West with this pick and hmm, I'm going to take the, I will take the jazz because while the Suns are also really good, I think the threat of playing the Lakers in that round could not tire them out. I mean, it, it will probably be a long series and they could be upset by a team like the Lakers or even the Warriors who does get into that game. So I think the Jazz are better positioned than them. So yeah, I'm going to take the Jazz and also, you know, they're a really good analytics team. Donovan Mitchell is one of my favorite players in the league and also talked about Rudy Gobert earlier. So I'll take the Jazz. And between two teams right now, I think I'm going to go with the Suns. I'm a big fan of what they're doing. I love Chris Paul. I think that he will bring his veteran leadership into the playoffs and help them succeed in a landscape that is pretty volatile. I'll pick the Bucks. One of my picks. I just think they probably have as good a chance as anyone to defend the Nets guys. So if they meet in the second round, I think that's going to be a great series. I'd pick the Nets, but I think the Bucks have been really good just like they've been good in the last two regular seasons before this i think you know that miami series last year really exposed them a little bit but hopefully they've learned from it they have drew holiday now they have pj tucker now so i'll pick the bucks and picking again i will pick the heat i guess continuing on my eastern conference and realizing that my picks kind of contradict one another but I mean, the Heat are really turning it on. They did make the NBA Finals last year and took the Lakers to six with Jimmy Butler barely being able to walk, bam, out, Dragic out. They know exactly what it takes to win. I think they have as good of a coach as anyone in the league. And I think it all just depends on seeding. If they were the six and they had to play... Milwaukee, Brooklyn, and Philadelphia in three consecutive series. I think the probability of them winning all three is really low. But if they can get the four or the five, win that first round matchup and play the Sixers, who I know Embiid wasn't at full strength last night, but they manhandled the Sixers last night. I think the Heat, they know what it takes to win. And I think they're probably the fourth best team in the Eastern Conference, but they did it last year. I could could see them doing it again. I will take... Bloody's Nuggets. Obviously, Jokic is having an MPP season. I don't think the Nuggets have any championships in their history, but I think this is as good of a chance as they'll as they'll get. So, as the LA citizen, I will double up. I will take both the LA teams. I'll take the Lakers with my next pick. Obviously, you know the plan game is a little bit scary, and facing the Suns in the first round could be a little bit scary. But LeBron is just—he's the greatest player. The NBA, maybe not this season, but you know, at any time, if you want one player on your team in the playoffs, you want LeBron. Granted, he's coming back from his injury, but I think you know, having him and Anthony Davis, they are a threat. Even though they're the seventh seed, I think they're a top four team 
easily. And just looking at the title odds right now for 538, they are tied for fifth in title odds at, at about 6%. And that's tied with the Bucks. And the Nuggets are actually, Nuggets and Suns are actually lower than the Lakers, even though they're higher than them in the standing. That kind of just shows, you know, how important it is to have star players. Whether you agree with the projections or not, you can agree or disagree. But basically, yeah, I'll take the Lakers with that pick. And then with the next pick, I will take the struggling between the Warriors, but they have to play the playing game. So I'll, I'll take the I'll take the Mavericks. I guess Luca could be fun to watch. You know, he, he's always in for an upset, but we'll see. I'll take the Trailblazers. I think when you get lower on the list, you kind of have to go for teams with like wildcard players that can just single-handedly defeat other teams. And so I think the Trailblazers have a pretty decent team. And then they have Dame, obviously. And I think Dame has the capacity to just light it up, kind of like Steph. But I'm going to take the Trailblazers before the Warriors just because, well, they don't have to deal with the play-in. And then I think their team is overall better than the Warriors. I'll take the Hawks. Not that I'm super excited about the Hawks, but I think they have a couple pretty big wins this year. I, I remember they beat the Bucks at home a couple weeks ago and that and I think the next night they lost like the Pistons or something. But I think the Hawks at their best are really good. They have a really good offense. I don't know if DeAndre Hunter is going to be healthy, but Capella is like a defensive anchor. Trey Young has the ability to be great. Bogdanovich and Gallinari have been a lot better than they were at the start of the year. I would favor them over the Knicks, but then they're also 0-3 against the Knicks this year, if that's the 4-5. If they're the 6, I mean... They did beat the Bucks a couple of weeks ago, but I think that they're probably the best team remaining, but I wouldn't favor them in any series. I'll take the Warriors just because of the Steph factor. And because, as I mentioned, they, as recently as a few days ago, beat both the number one and number two seeds. So I like could you know see them potentially upsetting either the Jazz or the Suns. I think it's a pretty mediocre team, but Steph is awesome. And if he has a run of a couple awesome games, or I guess more than a couple, they can make a deep playoff run. So yeah, I'll go Hawks and Warriors. I will take, I guess the Knicks then, more so because I don't know who else to take over them at this point. I don't like what's going on with Boston. The Hornets, Wizards, and Pacers, I, I don't really believe in them either. So I guess I'm forced to go with the Knicks. Dang. I was going to reach for them earlier in the round, but I was afraid that I was going to get a little bit of heat for that as a fan pick. But no, yeah, good pick for the Knicks. And interesting thing with that, I think that's kind of a close race right now, that four through six in the East. And that's like actually very important because I'm a Knicks fan. And right now we're in six, we're tied, but we're losing the tiebreaker to the Heat. That's the difference between playing the Bucks in the first round or the Hawks. And as a Knicks fan, I would just, I would be perfectly content winning a playoff series and be very happy. But if we're playing the Bucks, I don't feel so good about that. But if we're playing the Hawks or the Heat, I feel better about that. So that's kind of an important thing to watch. But with my pick, nothing really much left here, but I'll take the Celtics. I think maybe they can win a round. I think they'll make the play in. They're probably the most likely team left to make the playing game. And that's all they'll do. I'll take the Wizards. I'll go with Russell Westbrook. He's fun to watch. All right. Well, you stole my team now, but 
I will go with the Hornets. Big fan of Lamella Ball. They've been very good with them, actually. So I think they'll make the playoffs. Okay, three teams left. This is the last pick. It's only right that there can be two undrafted teams. So yeah, with the last pick in the draft, buddy, who do you take? Hmm. I'll take the Spurs, even though they've been absolutely terrible for a while now. I just think, I don't know, Popovich knows how to win in these games. I could see them upsetting a few teams. DeRozan is clutch. But yeah, I definitely did not even consider taking the Pacers because they're even more mediocre this year than the Spurs. But the Grizzlies would have been the more like high upside pick, but I just think the Spurs are the way to go. Yeah, I guess this is the problem with the not the problem with the playing tournament, but you know these teams are have no chance. Whereas you know maybe a sport like football or or baseball, if you get in the playoffs and it's one game, you you have a chance. But these teams are just there's no chance. But still fun to root for them and watch. And so yeah, we have our final predictions. Just for a quick recap, so Buddy's teams he has the Nets, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Atlanta Hawks, and the Miami Heat. Wow, he has the two through five seeds in the East. And then he has the Warriors and the Spurs in the West. So he has the top teams in the East, bottom teams in the West. Chris's teams are the Philadelphia 76ers, the Knicks, and the Hornets in the East, and the Suns, the Nuggets, and the Trailblazers in the West. And I have the Celtics and Wizards in the East, bottom of the barrel, and the Jazz, Clippers, Mavericks, and Lakers in the West. So we will revisit these predictions and see how each of us did later on. But yeah, I think that pretty much wraps up our episode, our regular season recap and playoff preview. We had pretty interesting discussion about, you know, some of the best teams, the most disappointing teams, some MVPs, some analytics, salary caps. And yeah, I think this was a great episode. And Again, you can check out Buddy and follow him on his Twitter at BuddyScottNBA. You can check out Chris's article on our website at HarvardSportsAnalysis.org and make sure to follow us on Twitter at Harvard underscore sports. Thank you guys both for coming on the podcast today and uh, enjoy the NBA playoffs. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having us, David.